Thanks for tuning in to the For Love of the Game podcast, where we uncover the most cherished stories of America's favorite pastime. Woven into the DNA of our country are tales from our backyards and sandlots, summer leagues to the big leagues. Every fan has a personal connection, a memory, resonating in each of us. It takes us on a journey to a time long forgotten, or a moment in our youth. That first time we heard the crack of the bat, the roar of the crowd, the smell of the fresh cut grass. And these cherished recollections sit there in the back of our minds beckoning us back to the game that we know and love, our reason to come back home, our reason for our love of the game. Today we are joined by one of the elite pitching greats in Misericordia baseball history, Mr. Matthew Karabin. K-Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jim. Glad to be here. I love the show. So, uh, K-Rob, you, you had a pretty solid collegiate career uh, at the time of your graduation. You were ranked first in appearances, second in ERA in saves. Um, I think you were fourth in wins and currently remain in the top five in a, a lot of career categories. And, you know, you were part of three championship teams, one of which we got to um, experience together. And, you know, in, in any level in, in college, it takes a lot of sacrifice to, to play and excel, especially – all four years and you certainly need a strong love of the game to do that where did it all start for you so um it's hard to tell where it started i feel like it's just kind of always been a part of my life uh, i know i mean my dad and my uncle my cousins my brother we always were either it was little league we were playing or we were watching yankee games at home or um i mean i remember being as as little as I could, I was sitting in my dad's bed watching games, just trying to just beg for an extra couple minutes to stay up. Um, went after my brother was already asleep, he's about a year and a half younger, so it's always kind of been there. Yeah, yeah, I I, I can remember that same thing. It's like when you're younger, you only get a, you know maybe three or four innings because you know the bed bedtime's a little earlier. Um, but uh, can certainly relate to that. So if, if I remember correctly, are, are you a Yankees fan? Who was your favorite team growing up? Yes, absolutely, Yankees. Um, it was kind of a, a little bit of a battle in my house. My brother is a Mets fan, so we always went back and forth with that. Uh, my, dad was, my dad was always just kind of like a, a baseball fan, a New York fan, so he kind of rooted for both. I would say he probably leans a little more Yankees, um, so maybe I get a little bit of that, but... Uh, Definitely was a, a big rivalry back in the day. Oh yeah, that that Subway Series back in in two thousand, man, that was. I mean, I, obviously for Yankees fans, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was fun. But um, no, my my family's the same way. You know, uh, my dad's from Long Island, and our cousins, his his brothers, are, are kind of split as well. And it certainly makes for for some fun. Um, for some fun watching and, you know, some, some fun interactions uh, with the family. Um, who were some of your favorite players on the Yanks growing up? So it, it's kind of hard to pick because there's just like so many great players on those teams, um, especially like the late 90s, early 2000s. I feel like I was just spoiled as a kid watching those guys. Um, I mean, obviously Derek Jeter, uh, Mariano Rivera, um, but but all of them. I mean, Brocious, Bernie Williams, Tino Martinez, Paul O'Neill, um, David Wells, David Cohn. Like, they're just amazing. But uh, I'd have to say the, the one player that I tried to emulate the most was El Duque on the mound, big leg kick, and uh, probably walked a, a few more batters than I should have and literally because of it. But I just, I just loved it. 
yeah, how I mean, how could you not be drawn to him? I mean, one, he had a lot of charisma. You know, I, I can remember that that image of him. You know, after the World Series, smoking that big Cuban cigar he had. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're right. You know, as a kid, you see that huge leg kick, and it's it's so easy to, to um, you know, to kind of be enthralled by that. And um, he was clutch for for the Yankees, and then also absolutely. Um, even when the White Sox ended up winning oh five two, he he was a big part of that. I know. Um, I think he pitched uh, the decisive game against the Red Sox, but um, in that I think the ALDS there. But uh, but anyways, yeah, El Duque, and you're right. That whole team, um, as far as just as a baseball fan and as a kid watching that, um, I, it was so great because it wasn't just one guy. Who, who got it done and there was such a, a team atmosphere um, and everybody just seemed, seemed to step up and have their own shining moments. Um, do you remember your, your first time going to the stadium or your first big league game? So I, I have two distinct memories of, of Yankee stadium early on, and I can't remember which one happened first. Um, I remember one um, was with my dad. I think it was me, my dad, uh, maybe one of his friends, and I, I can't remember if my brother was there. Um, I remember just, and I don't remember a ton about the game. I remember just being in the car, um, a lot of traffic. Um, I kind of remember the stadium a little bit. That that was a, an early one. Um, then I remember um, we slept over at my grandparents' house. Uh, we went with my uncle, my grandfather, uh, me, um, two of my older cousins, because I think my brother at that point was probably too young. And we drove in to Yankee Stadium. Um, I remember that he had a big excursion. We were throwing Cheetos out the windows to pigeons in the city. Um, and, and, and again, I just kind of remember just the joy of being there. I, I, can't, I couldn't tell you what year it was, who was playing, who pitched. Um, but I, I, just, I just remember having a great time. Yeah, and that, that's kind of w- what it's like as a kid that just – experience the excitement of going with you know your your family um and just at that point probably just focused on getting a hot dog maybe some cracker jacks and popcorn or something and and just being satisfied and having fun but um you know as as you get older the the moments and, and memories become a little bit clearer um do you have any particular games or moments um, either, you know, being at the stadium or, or watching on TV throughout the years that really stick out to you? Yeah, so um, I know a couple times going to Yankee Stadium, um, especially early on, I, I felt like the Yankees always won, and I thought it was just like this magic that I had. Every time we went to Yankee Stadium, the Yankees won. <laughs> so I remember one game um, we went, uh, it was Yanks Sox, big rain delay. The Yanks actually ended up pitching a a no-hitter as a combined. Um, I think Mussina started before it got rain-delayed in the fifth. Um, so, obviously, he came out, and then the bullpen took over from there. And that just beating the Sox like that is always fun. And then because of the rain delay, um, the last train out of the city was, I think it's maybe 2 a.m., and we missed it. So, me and my mom were sitting in the train station until, like, 4 a.m. before the next one came. Um, so, just a, a crazy night wow. altogether. Um, that was great. I remember, and then uh, because of my brother too, we were at Shea Stadium a lot, and we actually got to go on the field um, before the game. It was a like a kids 
they, the players just kind of like threw balls with you a little bit. We they had a tease set up. We got to hit with some of the players. And um, I distinctly remember it was right before the Piazza. It was after the Piazza trade was made, but before he got there. And somebody asked about him. And, and uh, one of the players was like, yeah, he's pretty good. I think we're, we're going to have a good time for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he certainly didn't disappoint. No. Um, he had a lot of huge moments for them, a lot of, you know, walk-offs. Um, but man, as a kid being on a big league field, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. No, um, it certainly ropes you in. Um, but you know, I, I do have to ask you, so you, you were able to go to, well, I mean, we call it the old Yankee stadium and, and Shea field. And now they have, they've built the, the new one in 09 and then obviously city field as well. Um, and there's certain aspects that I, you know, I love about the, the newer parks, but um, I don't know if it's just because I have a lot of special memories there. I, I missed the old park. I, for, to me, it just seems like it was louder. I don't know. What, how do you feel about the, the new stadiums compared to the old one? Definitely, definitely. I mean, I, I think it's, it's nice when you go into the new stadiums. They, they look shiny and clean and but they, they just don't have that feel, like you said. And I know you, you've talked about the, the ringing and the echo. And, and I remember being in the bleachers and just doing the roll call with everybody in the bleachers. And, and you can make the stadium shake just from the bleachers in the old Yankee Stadium. And, and that's just a special feeling. That, I mean, that's just a great time out there. Yeah, that's, that's one thing um, I haven't gotten to do yet. It's definitely on my list. But sitting out there with the bleacher creatures, I mean, they are – they're they're just in a league of their own out there. I don't yeah. think you can, can really compare them uh, to any other sports fans in the world. And it it is so cool in the beginning of the na- in the games when they start the roll call and they're, they're calling each position and the guys. Um, you know, I think Johnny Damon used to get really pumped up and he would do something crazy every time, something different every game, and always always kept it fun. Um, so obviously you had. Uh, a pretty decent uh, childhood watching the Yankees. Like you mentioned, they were successful. Um, and you obviously played throughout high school and into college as well. Um, and I, I remember you, I know as, as pitchers, we would always, you know, joke, joke to coach saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to get some ABs today. <laughs> and I remember you saying you, you were a pretty good hitter in high school. And actually as, as a side note, um, just to show people how small the baseball world actually is. Um, I got to play with one of your high school teammates, I believe, Victor Diaz. Yes. Um, and, yeah, it was uh, the, the summer after my freshman year, so 2013. We were on the Elmira Pioneers together. Um, and I think we were talking about, like, hey, you know, where do you go to school? And he's like, that sounds familiar. I think I got a, a buddy who goes there. And ended up, it ended up being you. Um, so it, I just – thought that was funny growing up in you know two completely different areas but anyways getting back to your high school you mentioned you were a pretty good hitter in high school so how did I mean you make the transition because you were strictly a pitcher in college right when did that decision when was that decision basically made for you to to focus solely on pitching so that that started um, freshman year of college so just to kind of give you some background, um, I wouldn't say I was a, a, a great hitter. I was, I was a good high school hitter. I was scrappy. I got on base. I was like Billy Bean's high school dream. 
Um, I think I had like a 700 on base percentage or something. Um, just kind of worked in between the nine hole and then in the leadoff hole to try and f- to finish off the end. So just kind of trying to get on base, had a ton of singles. I think I might have had one double my whole senior year. Just just get on base. And, but I feel like every time I got on base, our team was loaded with talent. And, and guys would just start bopping the ball behind me and I'd just keep looping around the bases. Um, so once I got to college, um, it's that freshman fall, I was a dual player and, uh, my fall meeting, um, sit down with coach Egbert and he can be brutally honest sometimes, which is a good thing. And he just says, you know, you're a pretty good infielder. You definitely could, could compete and, and get some innings defensively, but you hit like crap. So you're just going to pitch from now on. And, and again, I, I can make contact, but that just doesn't play once you get up to the, the higher levels. Guys throw harder. You got to be able to really drive the ball consistently um, and take your singles when you get them, not just yeah. a slap hitter. I mean, so, but it allowed me to get better as a pitcher. And um, I think that's what really kind of helped me make that jump to, to be a much better pitcher. And coach, and that's kind of where he was going. He said, you know, you're, you're good at it all, but if you want to be really good or great at something, like sometimes you got to really focus in on that. You can't try and be a jack of all trades all the time. Yeah, and I think people really don't realize, you know, at any level in, in college, um, and then you see some guys now who are playing both positions, pitching and the position um, player as well, that is absolutely ridiculous ridiculously tough um just the amount of work you know after our experience in four years in in college at misericordia just realizing the amount of effort it took to be decent at just one one thing i I can't imagine um you know these guys like shoal otani uh doing it at the big league level they have an insane amount of talent but um the one thing I do remember, uh, because I, I came in, I wanted to play, you know, outfield and pitch, thought I could do it. But I remember in one of our fall uh, inter-squad games, I faced you, and it was the first time I experienced a, a devastating slider, the devastating <laughs> slider that you had. When did, when did you learn that pitch? So that happened, it was just about the end of my senior year of high school. It was probably the, the last, maybe the last week of the regular season or that kind of right in between we started our, our county tournament and all that stuff. Um, we were just kind of screwing around in the outfield, just kind of we've been playing. It was really hot out, just kind of sh- warming up, throwing. And we were just kind of messing around with grips. And, and some kid said, oh, hey, watch this. And I, I just like, oh, I grabbed the ball like that. I was like, oh, that feels kind of comfortable. I threw it, threw it a couple of times. I was like, that's not bad. And then just, just kind of ran with it. Because at that point, I really didn't have a great breaking ball. Um, early on, I had a pretty good over-the-top 12-6 curveball. But then as I got bigger and threw harder, um, my arm slot dropped just a little bit to like a, where it is like a, like a natural three-quarter. And the curveball just didn't play anymore from that. And I, and I was struggled for a while. And, and that's probably why I didn't pitch a lot in high school on top of the like four or five D1 arms we had. But... It wasn't until I got that slider down and then that summer kind of ran with it a little bit. It felt good. And then by the time I got to college, it was almost like it was always there. 
Yeah. Well, it definitely served you well throughout your career. And, um, you know, for you, um, it was interesting because not a lot of guys were able to come right from high school and make an impact uh, in their first freshman year. And you actually had um, success in roles as a a reliever and as a starter. Um, And, you know, there is a little bit of a different approach that you have to take for, for both of those, but what was your mentality like and why do you think you were able to have success in both of those roles? So definitely early on um, as a reliever, um, it kind of, it was nice because I really only had a fastball and a slider. So I didn't have to worry about going two, three times through an order. Um, I really didn't have a changeup that was consistent or great at that point. Um, or really ever. I don't think I felt extremely comfortable with a changeup. But coming in as a reliever, it was just all hype, all energy, a lot of emotion. Just I, I love the, the thought of, hey, if it's a tight game, I, I can pitch. I might play. Um, going from kind of being an everyday like position player in high school, um, I think that was a nice transition. Even though I was a PO, um, I still knew I had a chance to get in a good game. Um, so I could kind of join the, the guys in the dugout for the first five or six innings. We could yell and, and do our thing. And then I knew I had to be ready at that point. So it, it was every other day or every day. Sometimes I'd pitch twice on Saturday in a doubleheader. Um, just always trying to be available, trying to do whatever I could. Um, and then just go out there and I tried to sometimes throw as hard as I could and then drop the slider in. Um, but definitely as a starter, it takes a lot more um, – a lot more intelligence, a lot more just planning. Yet you have to have that third pitch. Once I, my junior year, I started to develop a change up a little bit often, but just enough where lefties couldn't sit on the fastball and the slider anymore. I never really used it against the righty. Um, but a lot of it, I mean, with uh, Egbert and uh, Tuttle catching um, that year, it, it really just I didn't have to do much. I knew he was going to call the pitch. Tut agreed with him. And then if I knew the two of them agreed, I can't argue with that. <laughs> so I just kind of trusted them and went out and did it. I definitely, um, training wise, I feel like as a starter, I, I was much, it, it was a, a different routine you had to get into with being able to lift and, and run, do your conditioning and, and prepare yourself to throw every five or six, seven days at that point versus just, being ready to go out and throw every day. Yeah. And I, I know you mentioned the, in terms of relieving um, just the, the energy uh, that you have coming out of the pen and into, into these big time situations. Um, and I remember, you know, a lot of times my, my heart was racing, man, when, when you come in there, you know, guys in scoring position and you're able to get out of the jam and it's just, it's, it's one of the coolest feelings that you can have, uh, on, on the diamond, but what, what do you, what would you prefer? What did, what did you like most either, uh, starting or relieving? Uh, it's, it's definitely tough. I, I really enjoyed parts of both. Um, I'd have to say relieving and, and closing and knowing that it's all on you and it's always a tight situation. Um, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was great. That was a ton of fun. Um, but I don't know if I would have survived four years doing that. I might have had an early heart attack, but uh, <laughs> but I always loved that feeling, like that energy. It was I, I never really felt nervous on the mound. I felt more comfortable being on the mound than I did in the dugout. 
and I don't know what that was. I had I always was nervous or jittery in the dugout watching guys guys play, just like cheering everybody on. Um, but when I was on the field, it was just like tunnel vision just took over, and I just kind of did my thing. Um, but starting was fun, knowing you're the guy, get the ball, and, and just trying to keep coaching the dugout, really. That was, <laughs> that was the goal. Don't give them an excuse to come out and talk to you. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's a good goal. Um, but, uh, no, I would, I would agree with you. Um, I, I loved, you know, making that last out and being on the mound and, you know, just closing it out and starting that handshake line, knowing, knowing you just possibly, you know, took the double header from your, from a conference uh, opponent there. Those are, uh, those, that's what makes it fun. Um, but obviously, as I had mentioned in your intro before, um, you know, you had a lot of success throughout your career. Um, what was your favorite personal moment in, in your four years? So, so that's, that's a tough one. I feel like it was just a wild ride. Um, just everybody on the team, like we had great chemistry all the time. And that's just kind of what carried us um, being on the mound and just here, like throwing a slider, getting a swing and a miss and just hearing you guys, like the dugout erupt is just probably the best feeling in the world when you can make somebody look silly and then everybody else tells them exactly how they felt. <laughs> and uh, it probably wasn't great being on the back end of that from the, being the other team, but just listening to guys just roar on the mound. And I know um, one game, because I, I was a teacher, I might have been the only education on the team that junior year, and, and I'd be running off the field, and guys would throw the first baseman a ball. Someone would throw the center fielder a ball, and then Doggett would throw me an apple in between <laughs> innings as I'm running off the field. <laughs> that, that's, that's, uh, that's quintessential Doggett right there. That's awesome. Yep. Um, and yeah, you mentioned the dugout and the guys, and that, that's what makes it even better, and especially our dugout. Um, our whole team, you know, from top to bottom was so locked in from the first pitch to the last out, um, and, and that's what made it um, just, just so much more fun and intense when, when you're out there because it could be, you know, playing in northeastern Pennsylvania, it could be 20 degrees out, snowing, and, you know, you're out there having the best time of your life. You might be freezing your butt off, but, um, you know, those are some of the, the best memories that, that I certainly have. Definitely. Um, what, I mean, could, could you even pick? I mean, there are so, so many of them, but was there any, you know, of your favorite team moment or championship um, that, that comes to your mind? So, so I feel like every championship – every conference series had like its own feel to it. Like, especially the early ones. Um, I mean, the first one kind of the, the moment before that we had a, a crazy run of, of rain that year. Um, this is my sophomore year. Now the first year we won and we were picked, I think sixth or seventh. And then we had a string of like seven or eight conference games in like five or six days. It was absolutely unreal. And, and everybody, the whole conference was like that. And it was just the whole conference was up in the air going into the last week. And we ended up on a, with a Sunday doubleheader against the sales. They already won the Friday game. And we were a game behind. So if we swept the doubleheader, we took first place with the tiebreaker. And uh, that day was, um, I think Ronnie started the first, Ronnie Guido started the first game through a gem. That was the day the infamous Kenny Durling jumped like, 
over the wall to to rob a home run in like the fifth or sixth inning. Um, I got I got the save for that game, which actually broke the record um, for the season record. That was great. And then game two, uh, Pat Clark came in on like three days rest, threw a gem. I closed that one out too. And then that was the first, I think, dog pile we ever had. And I just remember getting just like football clean tackled, like right through the gut, everybody piling on top. Um, And then that one led into the conference tournament where I feel like we had so much to prove. We, We snuck in and took first place. But we, we still felt like the underdogs. Like, everybody was, was still ahead of us. We still had to beat FDU. We still had to beat the sales. Um, they, were, they still were kind of above us at that point. They've won t- conference championships before. They had the history already. And, and winning that one, um, I actually got my first college start during that conference championship in the first game against the sales in the championship. And that was probably the most difficult thing I remember doing on a baseball field. <laughs> Um, that lineup just felt like murderer's row every time they came up. Um, I think I got through five, maybe five and a third uh, before Dogga came in and just cleaned it up and, and coasted through winning that one. Um, so that, that one was fun. That was great. Just winning that first one, getting over the, that kind of hump of, hey, we're, we're here for real now. Yeah, and it's, it's always better, especially when you are the underdog. You got that chip on your shoulder, something to prove. Um, and you guys certainly set the standard um, for the, the following classes that, that would come in after you. Um, and I know we were, we were mentioning the, the conference tournament, and that was always fun because we got to – it was base, just a weekend of baseball and hanging out with your pals. Um, you know, you're in – you get to stay in the hotel. Um, you know, we would do that for – um, our, our spring spring break trip down in Florida and, and on a few occasions we did it for you know Manhattanville and those games where um, there was a couple hours away so I, I do have to ask just because you know I, we we were uh, road trip roomies if you will um, your senior year there who um, who are your top three road trip hotel roomies and then excluding me because um we'll uh no bias i guess <laughs> um so so that's that's a tough one um definitely you were up there jim so don't don't sell yourself <laughs> short there you, you definitely just when you're going for a roomie in college there's a couple criteria um no catchers because unfortunately oh. they, they do tend to smell um, so I feel like you just got to put all the catchers in one room together as a, as a pitcher. You don't want to be stuck with them too often. Um, That's uh, you hit the nail on the head there. They're, they're uh, I mean, obviously they're putting in the most work throughout the game behind the plate, but their gear afterwards, woof, you, <laughs> you said it, but yeah, uh, but that was rough. Yeah. So, uh, so you want like baseball guys, guys that you can watch, watch a game, when, when the, we're done playing, you can watch a baseball game because MLB's going at that point. Um, go for a milkshake or a trip to Wawa or something. Um, so I definitely would put you up there. Uh, definitely, uh, I'd have to say Shane McGraw. He was a oh, good yeah. one. And uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Bryce Frankenfield. Throw him out there. He was a, a great roommate a couple times. I've had him in there. Um. There, there's a couple. Uh, Max is definitely up there. Just always good for a story to lighten the room up. I feel like you need one guy to, to kind of liven up the room. In the yeah. night when it, it starts to get a little boring in the hotel on a rainy day. 
Oh yeah. That's uh that's a solid solid trio right there. <laughs> Those guys. That would be that'd be a fun room for sure. Um and I know one one thing that we would do, I remember our you know, my freshman year, um it was it was me, you, Ben and Catch. Um and we'd always, you know, we'd be watching Sports Center and, and then Ben would rattle off a few would you rather questions? Um, so I have I have a few, just just a few for you here. Um, so we'll see what you got. I'll just go down the list, and then you, you give me uh, your first gut answer. All right, you got it. All right. So, would you rather hit 400 for a whole season, or break Joe DiMaggio's 56 game hitting streak? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, I'm gonna go with the hit streak. I feel like that's like impossible now. I don't think anybody's ever going to do that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they're both pretty impossible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, that would be some streak. And I'm sure you'd, you'd probably uh, be up hitting close to 400 if you were able to pull that off too. I mean, that's, that's what, two months of <laughs> yeah. just nonstop hitting. It's but, unreal. Yeah. That, that would be cool. Um, would you rather win 300 games but have an overall losing record for your career or hit 700 home runs but have a below 200 batting average? Wow, you're really <laughs> putting a tough one on there. Um, I'm, I'd have to go with the home runs there. I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I could handle being a pitcher. If you won 300 games, that, would, that means you're losing at least 350. And that, that's got to be rough, man. Yeah, that'd be uh, you'd probably you're probably playing for the Mets at that yeah. point for your whole career. Um, let's see if Jacob Degrom can pull that one off. Yeah. Um, all right, next one. Would you rather throw one perfect game, but never win another game your whole career, or have a walk off World Series ending home run, and have a career ending injury afterwards? Oh, ouch. Well, I, I have some personal experience with the career ending injury <laughs> department. Uh, if you want to get into that answer. But uh, I'd have to go with the World Series. I feel like that is the just epitome of what everybody is is shooting for in the game. And once you kind of get a World Series, that's something I feel like you never forget. I mean, I yeah. it, it's tough to even forget specific moments of our conference championships. I mean, I can only imagine what a World Series win feels like. Yeah, yeah, that would. Uh... That would be awesome. And there's only been, I mean, Joe Carter and then um, who's the guy on the pot, Pirates? Was it Mazarowski that who have who have actually done that? Um, I believe so. And I'm, I think I'm. I don't know if I'm blanking on any others, but yeah, those obviously shots heard around the world. It's it's something you, you'll never forget. Um, and then I got two more for you. This one might be a little dark, if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, would you rather break Cal Ripken's consecutive game record and never walk again, or would you rather break Nolan Ryan's strikeout record but never be able to use your arms again? Wow, that's that's brutal, man. <laughs> um, I I guess I'd have to go with Nolan Ryan's because I know striking people out feels great, and to do it that many times has got to just be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That was that's that's a tough one either way. <laughs> you gotta enjoy your I guess enjoy your baseball career while you're Ken <laughs> with yeah. that scenario. 
Um, and last one I got for you. Would you rather start a franchise with Mike Trout or Mickey Mantle? Wow. Well, if we're playing today, I would absolutely love to have Mickey Mantle, but I don't think he'd make it. So I'm going to go with Mike Trout. I think Mickey Mantle nowadays would uh, hit like 50 home runs in a season and then never play again because he'd be just in a alley somewhere and you wouldn't be able to find them. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it'd be interesting because, you, I mean, I wonder if, um, you know, he would still act the same way now and being that, you know, our um, obviously the technology and, you know, sports medicine and everything has really improved since he played. Um, but it would <laughs> it would be interesting to, to say the least. But Absolutely. you can't you can't go wrong with either guy. But Trout no. nowadays. Yeah, it's um, that's a good no. good answer. And the thing I, I, I feel like it's tough to take Mickey out of that because that was his lifestyle and his attitude. Like, would he be the same player if he wasn't like that or would he? Would he go to a dark place and, and not be able to focus on the field? It's tough when you when you look at players like that and, and you say what if, but what if he would be worse? True. That's that's also true. There's always an, an you know an equal opposite reaction, that reaction, right? What's what's that Locko? Is that physics or something? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't fare too well in the science. I think that's Newton's so. one of Newton's laws, I think. <laughs> um and also I I do want to get back because I know we mentioned the, the career-ending injury, and then you mentioned the dog pile, and is that's where it actually happened, right? Yeah, so it was um, senior year, and uh, I honestly don't know why we dogpiled at this point. I feel like at this point we, we knew we were good and better than everybody else in the <laughs> conference, and it was senior day. So, of course, senior day, um, it was actually the – it wasn't our first game on Tamberfield, but we had to push back the – the commemoration ceremony and everything. So in between the doubleheader, I actually was gave a speech and to represent the players and the team. And then I, I ended up closing out the second game. And believe it or not, the last pitch I ever threw was a changeup, which uh, I still kind of mad about that. I, I did get a strikeout to end the game on a changeup. And then, uh, yeah, we had the dog pile and I just got stuck underneath. Um, on my right shoulder and put a dent in the in, in the field there that might still be there. Which actually, I think they're redoing the infield, so it's going to be gone now. You better get that patch of grass. <laughs> I know. And I just I felt something crack, and then everybody got up, and I'm just laying there, and somebody helps me up, and then we're, we start cleaning the field and raking, and I'm just sitting on the bench, and I, I just I can't move my right arm. And uh, luckily, it really wasn't too bad from a, a life injury it was a, a sprained ac joint the kind of ball the the shoulder kind of just went under my collarbone a little bit so it took some time but i, I definitely couldn't throw and, and that kind of made it made it definitely difficult because that's right before the conference tournament so i missed that whole conference tournament um as a senior but it kind of gave me one of those like charlie conway moments where i know I, i'm not hopefully can't help on the field anymore so i just tried to find any way to to either talk to guys or work with guys, give a speech or just kind of be rowdy on the bench. Um, just do whatever I could to kind of help us win, knowing that I wasn't touching the field that year. Yeah. And, and that's gotta be tough too, because obviously at, at that point, when you come into the game, you're expecting obviously to win and then go playing for, for another, another title. And um, 
and knowing it's your senior year, you knew it was your last run, but you didn't know it was going to end then. So that definitely probably uh, hurt a little bit more. But, um, you know, obviously, like you said, you, you were there. Um, you were still a part of, you know, a major part of the dugout and keeping everybody up. And um, we did, we did uh, go out in style for you guys. But, uh, yeah, I will say that was my first college dog pile, and it was our last, my last college yeah. dog pile because of that reason. Um, yeah, yeah, so all you young cougars out there, if, you, if you're wondering why we don't dog pile, you can blame me. <laughs> That's it, <laughs> right there. Um, I, I got a, an interesting question for you. I know um, when, I, when I was talking to Lobo when he was on here, um, he created the, the perfect pitcher. So I, I, I feel like you got a high baseball IQ and was curious to hear who you would, you would combine to make the perfect pitcher pitcher in terms of you know the fastball velocity command uh stamina off speed and, and things along those lines yeah so so this is definitely a tough one just because there's so much so many great players out there now um there's so many pitchers out there and with the technology and you have the the edgertronic cameras you have the Repsoto and trackman and hawkeye and it's just like it's it, it can hurt your head sometimes looking at this so uh, I'd have to go, I'd have to go with a Degrom fastball, with uh, both his velocity and command. I feel like together is just above everybody else. You have guys that throw hard, and you have guys that command. But man, he can do both, and, and it shows when he pitches. He's just dominant. Yeah, um, yep. I, I'd have to go with uh, an Ottavino slider. Ooh, I yep. feel like that combo would be pretty wipeout. Um, I'm going to throw in a Mariano Rivera cutter. Nice. Because why not? I mean, he got away with just <laughs> throwing that. Imagine a 100-mile fastball on top of that. Um, I'm going to go with – and this is a new one. And maybe this year, maybe it's, it's just a kind of spark or lightning in a bottle. But Shane Bieber's curveball right now is absolutely devastating. I think he has 27 strikeouts and two starts right now. Wow. And it's, it's just lights out. And I know there's, there's a ton of great curveballs out there. It's hard to, to go take one away. Um, and then, obviously, we need a changeup in there. So I'm going to – I still think Pedro Martinez has probably the best changeup. I'd hate to say it as a Yankee fan, um, but I got to kind of give him a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. With I that. Know. that burns. Just, it, it, it but does. you gotta, you gotta give it to him. He was tremendous. I always, I didn't like, what, what didn't really. It's tough as as a Yankees fan because you know you grew up absolutely hating the Red Sox. But yep. as as I've grown older and come to appreciate the game more as a, a whole, and um, just you know love loving the history of it. Um, Pedro, I love the highlights of him in was it the '99 All Star Game or '98 '99 All Star Game at Fenway, and he struck out. He faced was it McGuire, um, Sosa, and Bonds or some something ridiculous, and um, he had like five yep, Ks. On, absolutely, yeah. um, but you're right. That that's uh, those those guys would certainly make a, a pretty dominant yeah. starting pitcher there. Uh, so then you'd have to throw on um, – I'm going to go with some intangibles here. Um, I'm going to throw on a Randy Johnson Ooh. presence on the mound. 
just uh, I think guys were just afraid at that point. Like not even just worried about getting out. Like they feared for their life, <laughs> especially a lefty against him. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> and then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with an analytic mind of Trevor Bauer just to to top it all off. Okay. Because when you see his interviews, and, and and I've kind of put him up there as one of my favorite pitchers now, um, just being kind of a math guy and probably more of a, a nerdier pitcher, just to see what he does with the technology and what he's able to do with that. Um, and, and I've heard interviews and guys say, like, this guy like is probably the worst athletic person in the world, and he's had Cy Young votes last year like or two years ago. Like, yeah. imagine just having that much intelligence and drive to just push yourself to that limit. Like, you're playing one-on-one, like maybe a 12-year-old would beat him, but you put him on a mound, and he's just dominant. Yeah, and it it would be, uh, it will be pretty interesting just to see how his career shapes out. Um, I know he kind of had rough patch at the end of Cleveland there, uh, but he was – you know, when he's on, he, he's pretty dominant. So, um, so again, against the Yankees, unfortunately, his curveball just – Yeah, that, that our uh, offense doesn't fare too well against off-speed pitches. <laughs> let's, just, no. let's just say no. that. Um, but I'm curious, would any of those guys – like if, if you could make a um, – you know, go into a season uh, with a starting rotation and you get to pick um, any guys from the time you started watching the game – um, would any of those guys crack that top five starting rotation for you? I, I definitely – this is a tough one because I, I think DeGrom, I mean, how could you not as a, as a Mets fan or as a, a Mets player being a Yankees fan? I, I do enjoy watching the Mets, and I try to watch them when I can. So, so I do think DeGrom is probably number one. He's uh, – I mean, you can't – go against them imagine if you could score three runs and his win totals would be off the charts yeah um so he's definitely number one um i think i'd have to go with justin verlander just the way he's been able to throw um i hate that he's an astro yep (laughs) and on that (laughs) team but uh again he was dominant with the Tigers. He went to the Astros as an old veteran and just rejuvenated, still pumping high 90s with even better off speed than he had when he was younger. Um, then after that, I'd have to go with Roger Clemens. Just uh, that presence as a, a Yankees fan as a kid, it's just almost impossible to top that. Um, yeah. It was kind of the, the answer to Pedro at that point. Yep. Um, so, so that's three. Um, I'd probably have to throw Pedro in there because why not? Imagine facing Clemens one day and then Pedro the next. As your three and four. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Good <laughs> like, luck. Like that would just be insane. Um, and then I feel like I don't have a lefty in there, do I? Not yet. No. Nope. I'm, I'm gonna need a lefty. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kershaw. Yeah. I'm gonna take the new guy Kershaw. I think Johnson would be fun, but I think that might. The locker room might implode if I had Clemens, Pedro, and Randy Johnson. <laughs> that, you might, uh, yeah, a few of those guys might be going at it. That, that's for sure. I mean, just watching them compete on the field. Can't imagine even if it was just like playing ping pong in the locker room or something or playing cards. Like, yeah, don't get in those guys' way. No. Um, but that's uh, good luck against 
that starting rotation, especially at the back end. I mean, you got Hall of Fame quality throughout that whole starting five. So that's 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 a good choice. Um, I got a couple more questions for you, and then I'll let you go here. Um, this one's kind of kind of cool, a um, little different than what than what we've been going on. But the baseball genie has granted you one wish: you get to travel back in time to any baseball game from the past, and you get to take three people with you. What game are you going to, and who's going to the game with you? So that's a, I mean, that's a loaded question right there. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go, what game we're going to, I'm going to, I don't even know if I can say a specific one, but I would love to go back and watch some of those older Yankee teams, maybe the 61 year with, with uh, Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle. Um, I, I lived through and got to enjoy the kind of, Sosa McGuire and, and Barry Bonds and those kind of summer years uh, of the home run race. I think that would be cool watching the two of them. Um, and, and to go back with me, um, I feel like I'd have to take my dad, my brother, just kind of make it a family trip. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll throw in, uh, maybe I'd say we throw Bernie Williams in there. All right. And, and, I feel like my dad was a big Bernie fan. He's a he's a real fun guy watching some of his interviews with, with, with the Yankees and you see the, the old timers day stuff and I think getting his perspective on the game and then just having a good time with my family. I feel like that's just a great time. I have to apologize yeah. to my mom for not bringing her, but <laughs> <laughs> hopefully <laughs> Yeah, you might you might have to uh call her after this, but <laughs> Yeah, she she's she's been to so many games, it's it's like she deserves an award for the driving up to Dallas, Pennsylvania and sitting through some of those cold days, especially in the bullpen days and knowing maybe you'd throw an inning and she's there watching for like six hours in 30 degree weather. It's just like, she needs an award. (laughs) Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, our, you know, our parents throughout it all definitely um, been blessed with some dedicated parents and family members um, growing up and, and throughout my life. And certainly, um, made it more enjoyable one, but definitely made it easier for, for sure. Um, and then just being able to, to share the love of the game with them. Um, but, uh, I know you're, you're doing some, some coaching. And so, you know, how, how are you staying involved uh, with the game right now? Yeah. So, so I've been coaching pretty much out of college. Um, I started, um, I started working at Dallas high school, right in Dallas. I was still taking some classes and, and working in the school district there. Um, so, so I coached ninth grade baseball there for, for three years, had a great time and coached some unbelievable athletes there. Um, they actually had a, they won, ended up winning a state championship at when I was, I was the ninth grade coach and their shortstop and second baseman were, or shortstop and third baseman were both sophomores. So I had two of them the year prior on my ninth grade team. And that was just too easy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> they were just absolute monsters, both playing D1 baseball now in college. Um, so I, I've been, I did that for a couple of years. I've been coaching uh, with baseball at UPA, some travel ball now, and, and even uh, Kyle Lindsay and, and Dylan Mazo are coaching now in our, our like Philly area teams. Uh, we've been doing that since probably 2014 or 15 travel ball between all different ages, um, mostly like 13 to 15, some, and now – um, coaching pitching coach for the, the 17 U teams. And uh, I currently the pitching coach at the university of Scranton. 
Um, so we get to play Miz and, and scrimmage them, and that's always fun. Um, awesome. Yeah, been just trying to stay up to date and everything is, is like, gives you a headache sometimes. I'm trying to do as much as I can. Um, there's so much information out there. Um, so many guys online that just put stuff out there that, that are helpful. Um, probably the best Twitter follow for any pitcher is Pitching Ninja. If, if your listeners out there don't know about that, it's just gifs or gifs, however you want to call it, <laughs> of just the nastiest pitches of the day, just over and over again. You gotta gotta check that out. I'll, I don't think I don't think I've seen that account yet, so I'll have oh, to it's, I have to look it up after this. It's um, definitely the best follow you could have on the Twitter account. <laughs> All right, um, and you know it's it's such a great way for you too. Um, I'm sure your experience um, in in obviously in, in Misericordia has certainly helped you out um, w- with being able to to teach teach these guys now and certainly helps you relate to um, the guys on the team a little better. And I'm sure um, also being that, you know, you want won a couple championships. I hope they, uh, hope they uh, listen to what you have to say (laughs) more often than not. But um, K Rob, man, this has been a really great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks Jim. This is, this is awesome. I love what you're doing. Um, All the guests you have, I feel like there's a connection there. Even the, the, the guys you have that I haven't met, just when, the way they talk about the game and the conversations you have, it's, it's just a great time. That wraps up today's conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, please give our podcast a like and share it with your friends. And if you have a baseball-related story to tell that you would like to have featured on the show, drop us a line in the comments, or you can send a direct message to our Facebook page. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, I'm Jim Tunison, and this is For Love of the Game.